Welcome, guys and gals, to the Man Talks podcast. I'm Connor Beaton, the host and founder of Man Talks. And I have two special guests joining me, and we are going to take a little bit of a dive into meditation. So the guests joining me are Suki and Elizabeth Novogratz. And uh, together, they have traveled the world to study all forms of different meditations uh, in all types of classrooms, from Lakota sweat lodges to Tibetan houses, from ashrams to vision quests to the oneness retreats. So they have been fortunate enough to work with people like Sharon Salzberg, Krishna Das, Ram Das, Ama, and the monks at the One World Academy in Chennai, India. So they really have some in-depth knowledge about meditation, and I wanted to bring them on to kind of dive into their, their practices and get some insights on meditation, because I know that this is where a lot of people get stuck, is just starting, just sitting. And then when they are sitting, Getting, the, getting confronted by the questions of like, am I doing this right? Am I actually meditating properly? Am I, you know, am I moving through the, the thoughts that I should be moving through? And so in this episode, we're going to take a quick look at some of the different types of practices of meditation. And we are going to not only address how you can start, uh, how you can deepen your practice, but how you can start to ingrain this on a daily basis. So without further ado, please welcome Suki and Elizabeth. Thank Good you. I am excited. This is this is great. I love I love your book. I love the graphic nature of it. And so I'm I'm really uh and by graphic nature I mean the fact that it has a lot of pictures in it. <laughs> not that it's not that it's like a, a glory meditation book. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, you know, that's an idea. That's I haven't seen that one. one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very different type of meditation book. Well, listen, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. Um, so I'm going to kick things off the way that, that I love to start here, because it always leads to some great narratives and stories. So tell us a story about a defining moment in your life or in your lives that has made you who you are today. Well, I think... There, there are quite a few that kind of lead up to, to now. But in terms of what's led me to where me now in terms of meditation and, and that, that whole path that's been going on for both Suki and I for years, um, the story for me would be when Suki literally like grabbed me by the hand and brought me on a retreat. I don't want to say I was kicking and screaming, but I was. She said it was kicking and screaming. I was very resistant. And I, and I needed a buddy. And I, you know, my husband actually sent me on my first meditation retreat. When, Shortly before this one. Yes. Mm. And my father had passed and it had been sort of two years. And I really was sort of having a hard time getting over the grief. And my husband's like, you know, you, you really need something. And he, he took me on this meditation retreat. He joined me. And my father, when I was little, he taught me how to meditate. And, uh, and I had developed a practice with him when I was young, and then I dropped it as I got older. And so there's this, this beautiful way of coming back to myself, to him, with this practice. And it sort of broke me open. And I wanted to go back again. And but I didn't want to go alone. And so I, I dragged Beth with me. And I was, like I said, a little bit resistant. <laughs> And I was I was pretty happy with the way things were in my life without a real heavy meditation practice. In my I was also thinking, oh, meditation retreat, that's gonna be so boring. And it was like 10, 12 days, and I was thinking, oh, every day is gonna feel like an eternity. And so that was part of my resistance. But what we I mean, doing this retreat with Beth, we ended up laughing the whole entire time. 
it was more fun. It was like, it was incredibly, like there were moments where it was not the fall out of your chair funny, but it was just, we were both lightened up so much in the course of less than two weeks that we laughed and laughed and laughed. Like to the point where we were just like constantly punch drunk. I think it just removing, like just shedding. Yeah. Um, we loved it. It was it was definitely a defining moment for me. Mm, that sounds incredible. And it, were you at a, a specific type of meditation retreat, like a vipassana, or or were you sort of like a? It was it was a, it was more of a mix. It was mostly meditation with a lot of dharma talks, but you could talk. Okay. Yeah. Interact with everybody else there. Um, you know the the like meal times were fun and um, kind of a release from all the meditation and just just kind of self discovery because most of the people there were new to to that world to the practice. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, that that kind of gives like a, a very unique perspective. I can't imagine being new to meditation and then diving straight into like a 10 day meditation retreat. I uh, like that's, that's good, you know, good for them for just like taking the plunge. What allowed you to, to create this? Like what called you to, to create this book? Cause it seems like you've had some really great experiences and you've both had the opportunity to, to work with and sort of discover and, and train with a lot of different people in the meditation space. And it seems like you have a bunch, maybe a little bit around the perceived benefits of, of maybe the different styles. Well, I mean, I think for us, you know, we had a, a, um, a website, a wellness website. And when it folded, we had a lot of questions about meditation. And even though Beth and I had a practice, it was, it was spotty at best. I mean, we'd had, we'd get, we'd delve into it or I'd go off and be really, you know, practicing daily. And then I, you know, fall off the wagon this book really came out of our sort of like taking the deep dive, you know, and trying all kinds of meditation because I had already and she had already. And and also, you know, looking at Native American practices and, and you know, doing sweat lodges and sort of doing the sort of deep dive and all sort of the brain hacks, you know. And and in that process of sort of fumbling forwards in a perfect and perfect practices that we had, we saw that we dramatically changed and that our lives dramatically changed. And that, you know, be it if you're doing Vipassana insight meditation training or you're doing a mantra or if you're doing sweat lodges, that, that you know, at the end of the day, all these things impact you and that, you know, we wanted to make it accessible for people um, to sort of see what would resonate for them. Because many of these practices resonate for us. I mean, now we have our own simple, simple practices, but that the beauty was that we didn't expect great changes. We expected, you know, to have, you know, more calm or this, but then we, we got so much more than we had anticipated. And so the book was inspired to like, look, if we can just get people just to come to the cushion in any way possible that they too, like we're busy. We're not, we're, we're, we're not, you know, in the ashram, you know, like Pema Chodron going every day and, and having, you know, serious, serious practices, but yet we saw so many benefits and that we wanted to bring that to people in the most accessible, fun, an entertaining way. And that and that became kind of the point of the book. When we closed down the website and really wanted to focus on meditation, we 
it, we wanted to explore as much as we possibly could and be able to under, you know, understand all different worlds and techniques and, and, and it was really fun. But our main kind of goal with the book was to get our friends to meditate. Like it was like, and my husband, and to yeah. just like to even <laughs> though, and to like because it's not a, it's not really that hard once you if you actually show up that every day, and it's free, and it's it's not that time consuming, and the benefits are enormous for how little it actually requires of you. Yeah, and one of the big benefits is that you know, you develop discipline and then you notice like, oh, wow, your workouts every day are a lot easier to show up for. And, you know, like, no, I'm not going to have dessert, you know, you know, three times a week or what have you, or whatever it is like that, that, that sort of level of discipline seeps into all aspects of your life. Mm, yeah. I, I like that perspective. Cause I think that in, in a lot of ways, starting with something so simple as, you know, just sitting down for five minutes, you know, and, and, and in meditation, can definitely lead to the benefits on on all those other fronts, especially you know things like dragging our bikes to the gym when we don't want to necessarily go. So I'm curious because you because you have studied so many different styles. You know, I think back to when I very first started meditation. I think one of the questions that I had at that time was where where do I start? Because I remember being overwhelmed. I had been studying Buddhism, and there's you know zazen, like traditional zazen. Uh, meditation and, you know, Tibetan meditation with mantras and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of felt overwhelmed. I remember feeling overwhelmed when I first started looking out at the sort of like meditation space and seeing all these different forms. And so for people that are, you know, brand new and fresh and just beginners, where do you find or have you found that there's a, there's a good place for them to start? Well, we always like to say that, <clears throat> you know, if you, if you're breathing, you're halfway there. You know, the, the other part of it is pay attention to your breath. And then in, in pretty much every practice, there is a focus on the breath or paying attention to your breath. And that's something, it's a portable tool. We're, we're born with our breath and that it's something that we can access at any moment. And if you can, if you, if you are at the very, very beginning, because there's so many built-in resistances that our human nature just automatically has about meditation where like the list of excuses is pretty much universal. Well, I'm too busy. Oh, that's not for me. Oh, if you can just anchor two minutes a day to, and like connect it to something else, whether it be right before you shower or right after you brush your teeth or drop your kids off at school or whatever it may be, just to start getting your mind and body in process, in, you know, in the position. To where you two minutes you focus on your breath, and then a week or two later, in the same way you would start almost like a running program. Well, if you can go around the block and just start doing that, one, you know, every day, in a few, in not long, you'll be running five miles. And it's it's kind of that same mentality. I think as humans, we work better that way, where it's not we take take some of the scary stuff out and make it as simple and doable as possible. Just to start experimenting with it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that approach. I kind of, I think I may have done something somewhat similar when I first started. Like I, I was a musician before, and so I, I liked listening to things, and that seemed to help sort of calm my mind a little bit because it was extremely, extremely active. And I remember when I first sort of started, I, I downloaded, I think I downloaded like a dozen different meditation apps. And I just committed to trying one meditation from each one of the guided meditation apps 
for 12 days straight. And that kind of helped me get into this groove where, you know, on day six or seven, I actually found a meditation, a guided meditation that really actually really landed for me and it was felt impactful. And then that's just the one that I sort of followed for the next little while. And it kind of allowed me to that, that space to create that consistency and to create that discipline because left to my own devices, I just felt like sort of overwhelmed with the chaos in my own mind, even though I was very used to following the breath uh, because of singing and, and that sort of training. So I'm not too sure if, if, if that's helpful. Do you have any recommendations or do you recommend apps or is it just more um, sitting with the breath to begin with and, and creating that regiment of, of two minutes a day or even just like a walking meditation of just noticing the breath? In all honesty, we recommend whatever works for you. Like if, <laughs> if it gets you to show up, I think it's fantastic. And a lot of people, apps, both of us used um, guided apps at the beginning also, and they were fantastic. And it's also, it's something, it's something to go to, you know, there's an actual doing, you put the headphones on, it becomes sort of a, a practice in itself, you know, the, the ritual around it. Awesome. And are there any misconceptions around meditation? Because I feel like, you know, there might be some naysayers out there that maybe need some like scientific data or, or whatnot. But are there misconceptions around meditation and what it does and, and why it exists? I think the number one misconception is, and it, it gives a lot of people an excuse not to do it, is that you don't, that you get rid of all your thoughts when you're meditating. So, and people, and we've had so many people say, well, I just can't empty my head. We're like, well, we can't either. Yeah. But, That's um, what mine does. And if you did, then probably, you know, you're probably dead. <laughs> or, or really drunk. Yeah. That. But, uh, so I think that's a huge misconception that that that's the goal is to not think as opposed to noticing your thoughts. It's an awkward thing in the beginning for, I think for everybody to, to sit starting, still with yourself. Or just starting anything new. Right. right. You know, it's awkward, right? You're learning a new piece of music, right? You know, or whatever it is, um, going to your first like dance class or something, you know. But so to give yourself that like allowance that to know, hey, this is going to be a little weird or this is going to feel a little awkward or, you know, I'm going to, and that's okay. That's part of it to, yeah. to just accept that parts of this are going to not feel like your comfort zone. Yeah. At all for a while. Being comfortable in the uncomfortableness. And that's sort of, you know, an important skill to be developing anyway. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I like that. It's kind of like just being present with not knowing how to do it. Yeah. Okay. So in, in terms of, you know, let's say people have started to meditate a little bit and, you know, they've sort of found a little bit of a routine or a practice. One of the things that I've seen a lot is, you know, deepening your meditation. Can you maybe unpack what, what that actually means for, for the listener? Like, what does it mean to deepen your meditation and how does one necessarily go about doing that? Well, you know, I think that's putting another layer of expectation, right? Like you show up mm -hmm. to the cushion and, you know, I'll get this from like a friend, like, oh, I had such a good sit today. It was fabulous, you know? And I'm like, okay, let that one go, you know? Or like, oh, you know, I just, I was sitting there. My mind was racing. I was doing the list. Like it was a bad sit. I'm like. No, that's what it was today, you know? And so like deepening your practice, that's going to happen naturally without your efforting in that aspect, because, you know, 
that's what happens that's as you said that's the nature up. of showing up right how like you're you're you know you're a musician you're a singer you're you're you know mastery of that skill develops and deepens with practice but will you see it like overnight or like oh now it's going to happen after six months no you just you show up and you just show up for and without judgment for whatever comes up for those two five twenty minutes a day and i do i think one of the beauties of meditation is those moments <laughs> that come after you really have been disciplined and you know showing up every day and you don't really have expectation. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you react like someone you've never met before. You're like, who am I? Um, I didn't, you know, answer whatever there. Uh, but you, you, and you realize how much you've grown, how much you've, you, you've changed and transformed. Often we don't, I don't think, realize that until we're in a situation that that brings it out of us. Yeah, or other people will notice. Like my kids will point out, you know, like, oh, you didn't like, you know, scream at me for like, I don't know, leaving the cranberry juice out this time, mom, you know, or whatever it is. And then you'd be like, oh, you know, because we may not even notice it ourselves because it's happened so gradually. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of the tricky part, right? Because I think some people want to see... Some people want to see ROI immediately, right? They want to see a return on their sitting investment, <laughs> and and they kind of get they kind of get stuck in their own way of of like, well, what is the benefit supposed to be on the other side of this? Like, what am I supposed to? Because we're very we're we we're such like consumer based creatures that we're always expecting to get something out of something. So if we are going to sit and we're going to have a meditative experience, there needs to be something that we're going to get out of that experience, and so we're always looking for what we're supposed to get out of it. So is that is that part of the sort of is that part of the 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 challenge or maybe obstacle that we have to face with meditation is is relinquishing our attachment to like quote unquote getting something out of it? A hundred percent. And I think part of that too is when when you do realize, okay, I can't have expectations. And you're not going to step on a scale next week. And because you meditated all week, you have lost, you know, it's, there's just no, it's not tangible, the results. Um, or you, and you don't know what they're really going to be in a lot of ways. It changes your life in so many, you stop, you stop needing that, that, you, you know, it helps you release attachment to all sorts of things, to all, all sorts of results, which frees you up in so many ways that, that act alone of just trusting that meditation is helping you and you don't exactly know what you're getting back is is so big in so many aspects of your whole life. Although many times what brings you to a practice is crisis, right? Like my, my father died and I, I was having a hard time with grief and the practice helped me get, touch that pain and feel that safety. But then it cracked open. You know, I was sexually assaulted when I was 17 and I thought I dealt with it, but I hadn't really dealt with it. And so that came in uh, into play and where I was able to use that practice to sort of find that safety to touch that pain, to, to sort of, you know, heal. For Beth, she was, you know, a smoker and very, and very attached to that identity of being a smoker. And in this practice, let go of that, you know, habit. And well, so there are, there, they're definitely tangible Result, but you, but it's not in the way of putting money in the bank or stepping on the scale. Yeah, there are no quick um, fixes here, but there are. Um, there's evolution, you know. 
difficult to measure. And mm-hmm. people, we want to measure. No. That's how humanity works. Right? You know, like especially the way like, we but, want results. Yeah. We want measurements. We want numbers. And look, if we had MRIs at home, you know, we could, you know, you know, see our our gray matter grow and our amygdala get smaller, and that's been proven. But you know, we don't have those kind of equipment at home to check, um, you know, uh, how our brain is doing in that kind of way. But studies have shown that that is true. And that gives us this greater capacity to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, our brain is literally changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, on kind of on that note, one of the things that you know I've seen a lot of research around and and whatnot is is the the benefits of med- meditation on things like anxiety or depression or you know high levels of stress. Can you maybe unpack a little bit for us how? And, and why it, you know meditation has a positive impact on things, especially like anxiety and depression. Well, if you notice your breath, you know when you're anxious or you're stressed, it gets really shallow, right? So you're not you're you're in fight or flight mode, and so when you do deep depth belly breaths, you're activating your parasympathetic nervous system, right, which sort of calms you down. That that fear center and your big dog going fear, 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 you know gets smaller, like literally gets smaller with the practice of meditation. And so that's, you know, one of our, that, that's where our stress lives. That's where anxiety lives. And so, I mean, it literally is a tool to help change, I mean, change, that your, brain. change your brain and to change your response to stress and to anxiety. Mm, yeah. It kind of reminds me of the book uh, by Wayne Dyer, change your thoughts, change your life. It's almost like, you know, change your breath, change your brain, change your life. <laughs> Totally true. Yeah. I mean, you're never not like stressed and you're having deep belly breaths. It's just not happening, you know? And so that also just brings you back to awareness of just like, okay, how can I be present? How can I? brings you into the present. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, that's such like a simple breakdown of it, but I think it's so true is that people who really struggle with anxiety are, are locked in the future and people who are struggling with depression are stuck in the past. And so this, this meditation practice helps to bring them back into the present moment and remind them of, of what's actually there right now and, and take them out of that anxious state of being in the future place. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Yeah, you because know, it's a thinking, right? I mean, our, mo- our biggest addiction are to our thoughts, mm. you know, and that when we, we can sort of sit and observe them, we realize we, there's, there's that moment of choice and how we choose to go. In terms of our thinking, we have much more control than we think. Do you feel like things, things like meditation or specifically meditation helps to cultivate, uh, you know, value traits like empathy and, and compassion? Because I hear a lot of people that that's, you know, sort of have this self uh, identity of being someone who maybe lacks empathy in certain areas or isn't able to express compassion, even even though they they feel it. Can meditation support in this? Because I feel like that's a that's an exceptional skill to develop in in any regard. I think in one way that it helps immensely is it changes your relationship with yourself. And when you when you develop that much more self awareness, you instant you immediately develop more compassion and empathy for yourself, which in turn makes you way more empathic toward everyone around you. I mean, that's kind of the simple, well, you love yourself, you're much, it's much easier to see what everyone else is going through. Well, and then there's also science to support us, support it. We have like this, this nerve called the vagus, you know, which is called the compassion nerve, um, that deep belly breaths um, uh, sort of uh, develop its tone. And so if you have like low val- vagal tone, you know, 
you tend to be, you know, depressed or like not have as much compassion or, or energy. And so humming activates your, 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 your vagus, hugging, dancing, and meditation, doing deep belly breaths. So, you know, even the science sort of, uh, sort of shows that this compassion nerve can be activated and, and toned up through meditation. Mm, very cool. Very, very cool. Okay. So in terms of your travels through, through the meditation and the different forms, you have had the opportunity to work with some really incredible people from Sharon Salzberg to Krishna Das to Ram Das. I'm, I'm curious if you have uh, any experiences in meditation that were unexpected for you that maybe you can describe. Cause I know that some people, when they have and they start going down, you know, the path of of doing quote unquote deeper work in meditation or or doing things like uh, sensory deprivation tanks and meditating in in a in a space where their senses are completely removed, they have um, different experiences in, in meditation. I'm, I'm curious if you have any any stories or experiences like that. You know, the first time I went, um, when I, I went with my husband the first time to meditate at, at that retreat. We were with these monks from India. And I was still sort of resistant to it all, you know, even though I'd had my father was, was a, you know, practiced and, you know, I still felt, you know, eh, I don't know, this feels a little culty. This isn't quite for me. You know, everyone seemed to be so gung ho. Um, and I was still resistant. And at the, at the end of like, you know, you sit all day and you go in the evening and, and you get a hug from like the monk. And I was sort of like, I was like a hug, you know, I felt like, Oh God, this is a little strange for me. So out of my comfort zone. Um, I'm not really a hugger, you know, I'm a Scorpio, you know, <laughs> I had some issues with this. And but anyway, my husband was much more open and we go into the big hall and everyone's sitting and it's, it's you know, beautiful music is playing, it, you know, the, the, um, you know, candles are everywhere. And it was very serious, you know, cause I still at this point really felt like, you know, like this is you know, meditation is very serious. And, and I was very tight and, and I sort of had this armor, like, I didn't want to hug a monk. I mean, what was wrong with me? You know, like, what's wrong with that? Like, what's a hug? And, uh, and we're getting in line, I'm in line and, and, uh, and then I'm getting a little nervous. Cause like, you know, I never, I never hugged a monk. I don't know what to do. It's not like, you know, you didn't have any protocol, like how to do it. Like, I don't know, bowing to the queen or something. So I was a little nervous and, uh, it gets to be my turn and I'm, I'm a little awkward and I sort of, I'm going in for the hug and I get the hug. And then I, I hear this person like laughing, like laughing, you know, in, in, uh, in the room, you know, and I was like, I was getting really sort of angry. I'm just like, like, this is like sacred. This is like, I mean, I mean I'm thinking, right. This is like, we're all here, like, you know, trying to be all one and, you know, and also this is my hug. This person's ruining my moment. Okay. Like I was getting really angry, you know, and just pissed off. And then suddenly, you know, I'm letting go of the hug. And I sort of fall down to the ground a bit, like not like speaking in tongues or anything, but just like I sort of fell because I was so sort of clumsy. And I realized I'm the one that's laughing. And it was in that moment where, you know, I felt that sense of joy and bliss of just like, let it all go. All my preconceptions, all my resistance, all like, like be here, experience this hug, experience all these people here. And let yourself be embraced. And that was that was a a, a shift. That's when I knew I had to co come again. And that's why I dragged Beth the second time around. <laughs> I like it. That's such an incredible experience. And I think just that 
almost like self-recognition of the duality within ourselves, you know, the, the judgment of the experience and then the actual experience itself. And, uh, it's, <laughs> that's, that's a really, really great story. So thank you very much for sharing that yeah. in terms of sort of practical practices that, that people can start to implement. I know in, in the book, just said like you, you've, you've both provided some incredible exercises and experiences that really, I think, support people in, in getting their meditation practices uh, going on a daily basis. And so what are some of the things that, that you would recommend to people who are, you know, the beginner or the intermediate to, to start to get their practice going? For the beginner to start getting a practice going, aside from what we were saying about linking it to something else or... Or, you know, setting a time every morning to show up, whether it be to a guided or your own. Or Suki likes to say, put a cushion right in front of your bed. That's what I did. So, like, the first thing in the morning, I'd see my cushion, and that's I'd go straight for it. It's a constant reminder. It's just ready. It's sort of like having your sneakers by your bed so that you just, like, wake up and you go for your run. Yeah. I think I like that. I used to do that, so then I did that for my cushion. Mm. And it's also, we also love like classes and groups and... I mean, finding a meditation buddy is like our favorite thing. Like even if you can't physically be with that person, but like, okay, you know, like, well, Beth and I were lucky because we had each other, but it really just makes you like same way having a running buddy. Like you're going to show up at the bridge, you know, because you're not going to leave, you know, your friend out in the cold, you know? Um, And so making that kind of commitment with someone also is really helpful. That's a huge, it's huge. Even if you're not meditating together per se, someone to talk up, talk through the process with yeah um and to talk about like oh i didn't do it today but you know just so there's someone else who knows what you're doing and and it's when you don't feel like it you're like well no i should because she is or he is but but we also love like yeah retreats you kind of can't go wrong with 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 anything that kind of helps you Get get off the kind of you know off the couch onto the cushion kind of thing. And, and the or big thing is is to be ourselves. yeah. The big thing is to be kind to yourself. Like don't beat yourself up for like you know not doing that one day. Like for me, like it was all consistency. You know, like I'd wake up in the morning, I'd sit because my cushion was there. But like you know, life happens, and like you know, my kid was sick, and da da da, or I couldn't you know sit that day. Just before I'd go to bed, I would just assume the position even if it was like for three seconds, just to like hold on to that intention and not to beat myself up about it, to be kind, because it's all about being more kind to yourself. And if your meditation practice is like you're bullying yourself over your meditation practice, then like you need to regroup. You and know? it's probably not going to last. <laughs> exactly. It's not going to last. Yeah. I mean, it sounds much like the, the gym routine. If you're if you're giving yourself hell for it and, and not going or, or even for being there, then you're, you're probably not going to enjoy it for very much longer. And I have a very similar practice of my meditation cushion. The Zafu is, uh, is on a, on a yoga mat next to my bed. So that kind of pop up in the morning and I have my little routine. I do some specific breathing and then get into my meditation and it's right there. Can't leave the room, you know, before I sit down and it's, uh, that, that is definitely, helped me quite a bit just to get into the routine of, of meditating first thing in the morning before I really do anything else in the world. So that's that's definitely helpful. So thank you very much for that. In, in terms of where people can can go in terms of like some questions or, or prompts or, you know, people talk about mantras quite a bit. Is there anything that you recommend on, on that side, depending on, you know, if people are wanting to cultivate maybe mindfulness a little bit more, um, how they might be able to do that? Well, you know, I mean, mantras are a great tool, 
you know, and, and for us, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you can find one that resonates for you. I mean, you know, a favorite of ours is let go. Yeah. If people are wanting to cultivate mantras, like I know that for some people, mantras are a big thing to help bring them back to the present moment and cultivate that mindfulness. So are there specific mantras that, that, you know, people could dive into around mindfulness or, or is that just like, I think the let go would definitely be helpful or come back to the present moment might be, might be helpful. But is there anything that, that you recommend specifically? Well, you know, I mean, a favorite line we love is do one thing most. And so with mindfulness, it really is sort of immersing yourself in the one thing you're doing in that moment, right? Observing all aspects of it, you know, and being alive and awake in it. And so we often as humans do multiple things at once, you know, um, as you're walking to work and also thinking about, you know. uh, And I remember, especially when you find yourself getting into some sort of spin that feels so like your mind's been hijacked, is that there's no suffering in the present in the sense of, Mm-hmm. Yes. bring yourself back bring yourself back what's what's actually yeah. happening right here and now yeah there's all the things you know there isn't yeah um and so to to kind of notice the hijacking a bit and bring yourself back with that i think has always been very powerful yeah. for me. and it happens all the time like my daughter got a i got a flat tire and uh she calls me you know and on my text she's like mom mom you know and i'm like oh my god she has a flat tire you know like do we have triple a like what's the number you know, and she's in college and, and I immediately, instead of looking for the number, I immediately go to myself because that's what happens. You go to self-centric thinking. I'm like, you know, oh my God, you know, like I, I haven't had a flat tire since the nineties, you know, and I don't even know what, I don't know where they, I know we pay the bills, but I don't know what the AAA number is. And, and then I go even further into my spin saying, well, when my father, when I left to go to college, I had to, I had to, you know, show him that I could change a tire not once, not twice, but three times. And I let my daughter go with, without even the AAA number. You know, I'm beating myself, being a bad mother. And then I'm like, what am I doing? I got back to my breath. You know, I'm like slowing down. I, I like, you know, I finally get back to myself and I was able to respond to her, you know, I'm, you know, Stuff happens. Sorry, this happened to you. You know, we were able to find the AAA. And like, she didn't even need, really need me to be, to solve the situation for her. She just wanted me to hold space for her. You know, because the energy between all of us, it's not empty, right? I mean, the space between us, there's energy. And so all she wanted was sort of that embrace, you know, but instead I was unavailable because I was off beating myself up and being a bad parent compared to my father and all these other things that like the parent she needed wasn't there. And so once I realized I was hijacked, I got back to my breath, I could be available for her and experience connection and love, Mm. which is all that she really wanted in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this story because I think it's so relevant and applicable for so many people. And I love the the word hijacked, you know, like that's such a great summary, like summary of what it feels like when we're taking out of that present moment, we get hijacked into the past or into the future and, and worries and doubts and anxieties. And, and to notice when we're getting hijacked, almost just say like, I'm hijacked. <laughs> like maybe that's, maybe that's the mantra. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that. I'm, I'm hijacked. <laughs> and I'm just like. That's it. Like that's the mindfulness, right? It's noticing, mm-hmm. you know, and how much we don't notice all the time, <laughs> you know, um, because we're, you know, we're programmed, we're, we're conditioned, yeah. you know? And so that's what the mindfulness is, is to sort of like, you know, slow everything down to sort of, you know, observe, you know, how we do what we do. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that. It's so good. So what about, what about the people that, you know, are, are super, super, super busy? Cause I think one of the things that I really liked about just sit is that it's you, you, the, the sort of subtext is a meditation guidebook for people who know they should, but don't. And I think that that's so apt because a lot of people, you know, they know that they quote unquote should meditate or want to meditate, but they don't because of all these excuses. And it's like, well, you know, I have the kids in the morning and then work during the day and I pick them up after dinner and yada, yada, yada. And so is there a way to integrate meditation throughout the day, whether it's at work or, you know, at home while the, while the kids are like causing chaos, how, how can we start to integrate meditation, uh, in, I guess, innovative ways within our lives and our busy schedules? <laughs> well, you know, I, I ask people or ask my friends when they tell me this, I'm like, well, you brush your teeth twice a day, right? You know, they're like, yeah. And it's like, well, you do that because, you know, you don't want your teeth to rot. You know, you might consider trying to find the sneaky places to put it in twice a day because you don't want your brain to rot. You know, it's an incredibly powerful tool for strengthening and, and, and you know, detoxing your brain. You know, then my second question is, or, you know, like how much time are you on face, you know, Facebook or, you know, internet shopping or, you know, there's other ways to do TV, Netflix, other ways that we sort of like, you know, can use our time. So how are you prioritizing your time? Because it's not that we don't have time. You know, we all have time. Um, and so if it's on your commute in, if you're, you know, on a train or a bus, um, it's getting up 15 minutes earlier. You know, if it's before you brush your teeth or, you know, in your shower or, you know, they're, they're, they're all sneaky ways, you know, it put, put your earphones on in front of your, you know, uh, computer at work for like 10 minutes or just, you know, sneaky do it, you know, like no one has to know you're doing it. That's the thing, you know, like it's sort of one of those things. Train, put your sunglasses on. Yeah. There are all kinds of ways to, they have sunglasses are great ways to, uh, you know, on your way to, to pick up your lunch, you know, do a walking meditation. There are all these ways to sort of, you know, sneak it in there. And, and part of it is just desire, um, right. right? And the belief, the belief that you can. And knowing that you, I mean, I think one thing with meditation is that you don't have to actually know what the results are going to be. And there's not a big way to measure them tangibly without an MRI machine. But to know that if you commit to some sort of practice, you're committing to a better life. You know, a more aware life, a more awake life, a more connected life, and and that's worth fifteen minutes, twenty minutes every day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I like that. I think one of the things that that sort of popped up there for me is, you know, is this a practice that you can bring into your intimate relationship, and and if so, are there sort of side benefits of of that, like meditation with your partner, or just being in the same space with your partner um, with meditation? Yes. Well, as, as you shift and change, everything around you shifts and changes as well, you know, in a beautiful way, you know, I mean, you know, my husband brought me back to this practice and, uh, and, you know, in many ways we wrote this book for him because like he was a big proponent of it, but wouldn't necessarily do have a daily practice. When we were sort of doing our last edits for the book, he was doing, he did a 10 day silent meditation retreat, you know, so it's sort of a coming home in full circle um, and, you know, I have to say, um, you know, we've been, we'll be married 25 years in, in June and, you know, I think this is our best year yet. Yeah. That's incredible. Uh, I love that. I love that. So, um, so people that meditate together, stay together. <laughs> or 
or, or they're aware that they're to move on and like you know and 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 stop uh you know uh tormenting each other but, and, uh, well that you know you 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 yes i mean that you're in your life and you can be with integrity and and speak your truth and and honestly all of that just uh helps people connect better be better humans and um help all relationships mm, yeah just intimate with the people you work with you know uh and the people you know who who like give you, you know make your coffee in the morning like every it all is connected and it's it's a it's a beautiful thing yeah i love it i was just putting you both in the spot there <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I, I think i've definitely seen the benefits within you know my intimate relationships and and you know even just like my friendships and my with with my family being able to be more grounded and and focused and centered and and really like own my own truth in that space space i think has been one of the powerful pieces so yeah so okay so i you know we're we're almost wrapped up here for time so i'm i'm curious if you have any other insights or specific tips that you found really helpful in your practice that people could maybe integrate into into their own practice you know i think for for both of us it's uh come to the cushion every day show up just show up you know, I mean, that that's the biggest challenge in many ways is the actual showing up um, to the sitting and that, you know, um, and that that's the that that's the most important element. And that's the discipline. So do it. Just show up. Yep. In, every, in any capacity, even if it's just sort of like with the mindset of like, I'm, uh, you know, that I'm going to show up for this like one second that has to be on your mind in that way with that intention. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I think one of the one of my personal mantras when I first started meditating was just show up to the chaos, because it always it just always seemed like a gong show in my mind, you know, with all the with all the thoughts. And so one of the things that just sort of helped me get through that was just show up for the chaos, just show up for the chaos. And the more that I did that, the less chaotic it seemed to be over time. And it really sort of helped me manage that because I had such a negative narrative. I had such a negative story around the chaos that was in my thoughts. You know, it's like, oh, I shouldn't be thinking this way. Well, the reality is that pretty much everybody, you know, has that sort of chaos in, in, in their thoughts and in their minds when they first start to become uh, aware of it. And so that, that was something that really helped me. Uh, did you have anything else just before we tie up here? Anything else? No. That's the one. Do you recommend any like good, uh, any good, uh, not tools? What am I saying here? Like any good cushions or any specific way that that people should integrate? Not tools, but but cushions and stuff like that into their practice. Blankets. Well, you know, we we think people should feel comfortable. I mean, not too comfortable that they want to fall asleep, but there should be no discomfort. You know, um, mm. in terms of you know how you how you position your body. It, you know, you sit in a chair, you can have as many cushions, you can have bolsters, blankets, you know, I mean, I, I, I love, I love, I love gear. So I'm in my Palo Santo, I've got my crystals, I've got my singing bowls, I've got, you know, but you also don't need any of that. You can be, it's all optional. Yes, it's all optional. You know, so don't be limited and meaning that like we, you know, we don't want people to be like, well, I can't meditate unless I have my special cushion or I have my this. Like, no, you could be in the subway with, you know, it, with 5,000 people and all this noise and you can still meditate. Right. Don't limit yourself, but, but for your daily practice at home, definitely do what works for you. If, if you're more comfortable in a chair than you are on the floor in a cushion, then sit in a chair. You're still going to have the same. There's no judgment there. Right. You know, I mean, all the images look really pretty with like, Oh, to be you know, a great meditator, you need to sit on the floor and do all these contortions, what have you like, 
no, let that one go. Like, you know, uh, just show up, just show up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's, that's really good advice. Cause like as a guy who, you know, was really stiff when he first started meditating and, you know, reading about Zazen meditation where you have to sit in like full Lotus, which is the position where your legs are fully crossed. I remember looking at that photo and I was like, I have no idea how the hell I'm going to get to that place of being the dude that has like full Lotus going on with my legs because my hips are so tight. And then, you know, that was another block that like added on to it. But once I sort of started to move through that, and I just started by sitting, you know, just sitting normally on the couch or in a chair and then moved to sitting, you know, just cross-legged and, and being comfortable with that and, and doing some yoga to help my hips open up. Um, it really was, it, it really was a, a work in progress though. I do, and I think that's the way to go. And I, I, you're right. People, we have people say to us, well, I would meditate, but I can't sit on the floor. Well, you don't have to. So it, it really is, especially for starting out, it's do what works for you. And yeah. and then you'll you'll explore and discover from there. Yeah. Like when I actually when I met Sharon for the first time and and uh and I got to the class early and I was uh you know on a cushion on the floor, not really on a cushion, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I I she comes in and I, I was like holding this po- this pose because I also my lower back was tight because I hadn't really had much of a yoga practice yet really. And, uh, and I was like holding it so tight that like, you know, I was going to tip over kind of thing. And she comes up from behind me and she's just like, are you comfortable? You know? And I just like let go. I'm like, no, I'm just, this is so uncomfortable. And she's just like, yeah, you'd have to sit like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, kind of, it's kind of funny how we have those like preconceived notions, though, of how we should be sitting in meditation practice based on somebody that's been doing it for like 30 years, you know, looking like that. <laughs> yeah. I've seen them do it. Like hours at a time. It's as if I'm going to do a race and I'm going to be as fast as Hussein Bolt. You know, like, what was I doing to myself? Like, what? You know, and then Sharon, of course, <laughs> sits in a chair. So, you know, it was all good. But yeah, but even I like fell for it. You know, I mean, we all fall for it because it's also a way of, of, of it's resistant. It's it's, yeah, resistant. it's a way of saying, well, I'm not really ready for this. Or the, it's not for me. It's not for me. Or, you know, um, but, you know, we want it to be for everyone. It's it's free. It's an amazing tool and it can change your life. And, you know, we should all be taught this early in our lives um, and, uh, and how to honor and respect our breath. It's a beautiful thing. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So the moral of the story is just sit, just sit down, just breathe wherever that may be and, and come back to the present moment, which I absolutely love. So listen, Suki, Elizabeth, thank you so, so much for being on the, on the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Connor. It's a pleasure. Yeah. And for everybody that's out there listening, if you're looking for an incredible book about meditation, that's going to guide you through a a bunch of different steps and show you the benefits and and the different pieces, check out justsit.com. All the information is there. You can check out a little bit of, they actually have some great infographics on the page itself. So it'll give you some insight into what to expect from the book. Uh, For everybody else out there, thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you tune in for another inspiring episode with another inspiring individual next week. Don't forget to leave us a review and rating on uh, iTunes or Spotify or whatever platform you're tuning into us today. Uh, And until next week, I'll see you then. This is Farm Beaton signing off.